0: Man, so glad to uh, be, again, just to be celebrating Easter. You know, uh, a lot of people around the world right now, uh, they're not celebrating Easter, and they're probably going, you know, what's the big deal, you know, about Easter? You know, as human beings, we're a funny bunch, you know, and uh, we, we, we hold some days uh, more special than others. We treat some moments, we, we just treat them uh, differently, and uh, think about it, your birth. Every year, you're excited about your, well, not every year, maybe, <laughs> But most of the time, man, we're excited about our birthday. There's another birthday coming. Some of us are glad we have, you know, another birthday. Hey, what about when you got your driver's license? How many of you remember that? Man, wasn't that an exciting time? It wasn't for your parents because their insurance skyrocketed, you know. But those, those are special times. Man, that first job, graduation. Man, if you're married, man, that first that day of, of marriage, and man, you hold it, and then you remember that anniversary every year? Yes. Man, when we hold those, what about when you first became a parent? That's the most exciting and exhausting time of our lives, isn't it? Those first few days. What about when you first become a grandparent? I just saw... Um, some friends of mine, I just saw their grand, their first granddaughter for the, you know, and that's, I, mean, I said, "What's that like?" Yeah. And I thought, "I know what it's like. I got five, well, four and one on the way, you know." But what, a, what a special time of that, uh, you know. I've got some friends that have retired; they love it. That that first day, they they just love it. So we we hold some days um, more important, or we treat some days differently than others, like the opening day of deer season and stuff like that, you know. But today's a big deal. Man, today's a big deal. Easter Sunday is the day that we celebrate the resurrection of our personal Lord and Savior. uh, And also to our collective Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Man, we get to celebrate that. He just didn't die for our sins. If he had just died and stayed dead, there's nothing to celebrate in that. But he rose again. And so today is, it's a big deal. And, and not just for today, it's been a big deal for the last 2000 years, man. Churches have been celebrating this for 2000 years. It was a big deal to them. Paul wrote in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. He said this in verse three, I passed on to you what was most important and what had also been passed on to me. Christ died for our sins, just as the scripture said. He was buried and he was raised from the dead on the third day, just as the scripture said, just as it had been prophesied. Now, Paul uses these words. I passed on you what was most important. Listen, it was a big deal then. It's a big deal now. Listen, Jesus rising from the dead. That's the basis of our faith. That's that's the basis of our hope. If he hadn't risen from the dead, there's no faith. There's no hope. Yet many wonder, how can an event event that sounds so absurd, and let's be honest. If someone told you at the hospital somebody rose from the dead, you'd think, I don't know about that. But a lot of people are wondering, how can an event so absurd be true? Can a moment that happened 2,000 years ago make a difference in my time, in my day? There are people all over the world right now wondering why we're gathering together. They're wondering what's the big deal about Easter. Know this. If Jesus did not rise from the dead, then we're all doomed. Think about it. If he did not rise from the dead, man, we are all doomed. Verse 14 of 1 first Corinthians, he says this, and if Christ has not been raised, then all our preaching is useless and your faith is useless. And we apostles all would all be lying about God, for we have said that God raised Christ from the grave, but that can't be true. If there's no resurrection of the dead. And if there is no resurrection of the dead, then Christ has not been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, then your faith is useless and you're still guilty of your sins. And in that case, all who have died believing in Christ are lost. And if our hope in Christ is only for this life, we are more to be pitied than anyone in the world. I don't know about you, but that's depressing. He uses the word we are doomed. I mean, that's an unfortunate and inescapable outcome. We are wasting our time if Christ has not been raised from the dead. It's useless useless faith. It's useless preaching. It's useless church services. And we're still guilty of our sins. And those who've gone on before us, man, they're lost. And we're lost. But matter of fact, if he's not risen from the dead, we are without hope and everything's a lie. And then it says we are in a pitiful state. But that's not true. That's not true. Since Jesus did rise from the dead. Listen, this changes everything. Church, understand this. Since Jesus is risen from the dead, it changes everything. In verse 20, it says, but in fact, Christ has been raised from the dead. It's absurd, but it's true. It's crazy, it's outlandish, but it's true. And the message of the gospel has always been that Jesus did, in fact, rise from the dead. But in fact, he says, you ever wonder how Paul could be so confident Listen to what he says in in verse five of of chapter 15. He says this about Jesus. He was seen by Peter and then by the 12. And after that, he was seen by more than 500 of his followers at one time. Most of whom are are still alive, though some have died. Then he was seen by James and, and later by all the apostles. And last of all, As though I had been born at the wrong time, I also saw him. Those that are writing the scriptures, they saw Jesus. Man, many saw Jesus after he he was raised from the dead. Peter saw Jesus. The 12 saw Jesus. The apostles saw Jesus. 500, many who were still alive at the time saw Jesus. And Paul saw Jesus. And you know what? Their lives were changed by this event. Peter, the 12, Paul, the the 500, they believed it so much that they gave their lives for it. When people saw the resurrected Jesus, man, you better believe their lives changed. All of a sudden, their mission and purpose for living, that changed. Man, they saw Jesus alive. He, He fulfilled his words. Man, their mission and purpose for all of life changed. The disciples, they went from being scared of being crucified themselves or being tortured. All of a sudden, they went from scared to to being bold. Peter went from denying Christ to, to preaching Christ. And Paul went from persecuting Christians to proclaiming the Christian faith. Because they saw Jesus. Let's be honest. But they got to see Jesus. I mean... I mean, they got to see him. They, they got to see the, the nail scarred hands. They, they, they got to see the, the scars from the crown of thorns. They, they, they got to see him. Now, I don't know about you, but I've, you know, later, earlier, I should say in my life, I used to think, well, if I saw Jesus too, oh, Lord, it'd be a lot easier to believe if I saw you. I mean, could you appear to me like you appeared to Paul? I mean, I'm not asking much. You only done it one other time. I'd like to see it. How do others today remain so confident when they haven't seen, I mean, literally seen him, got to touch him? How do others remain so confident? Many of you probably remember Charles Colson, and, and if you didn't, or you may know him as Chuck Colson, he was an American attorney, he was a political advisor um, who served as special counsel to president uh, Richard Nixon from 1969 to 1970. He was also known as one of Richard Nixon's uh, hatchet men, you know, and uh, you can't be a good guy if you're known as the hatchet man. And he gained notoriety at the height of the Watergate scandal for being named as one of the Watergate seven. And he pleaded guilty to obstruction of justice for attempting to defame the Pentagon papers, defendant Daniel Ellsberg. And he served in 1974, he served prison time, in the federal Maxwell prison in Alabama. And he was the first of the Nixon administration to be incarcerated for the Watergate-related charges. So he went to prison in 1974 for what he did. But in 1973, he came to Christ. In 1973, he came to Christ, and then he served his time... And now he has started ministries. He's since passed, but he started ministry, you know, Prison Fellowship and and Prison Fellowship International. And he's been teaching apologetics and why people should believe in Christ and, and just many books. I can't even tell you how many books he had written. But here's what he said about the resurrection. He said, I know the resurrection is a fact and Watergate proved it to me. How? Because... 12 men testified they had seen Jesus raised from the dead. Then they proclaimed that truth for 40 years, never once denying it. Every one of them was beaten, tortured, stoned, and put in prison. They would not have endured that if it weren't true. Watergate, he says, embroiled 12 of the most powerful men in the world, and they couldn't keep alive for three weeks. You're telling me 12 apostles could keep alive for 40 years? Absolutely impossible. The resurrection of Jesus, that one event, changed the disciples' lives. And it changed the lives of those they preached to. And it changed the lives of the churches they planted. And it changed the lives of the churches that came from that. And it's changed your life. It changed Charles Coulson's life. And it's still changing lives today. Hey, I wanna invite a friend of mine up, um, Bing, Bing Oliver. So his name is Bing, that's B-I-N-G. How many times are you asked to repeat your name?
1: Never, doesn't Before, happen. Whatever.
0: Yeah. So, so I'll tell you a quick little story. We got about an hour, don't we? Yep. Okay, I'll, I'll tell you. I'm just, so I'm meeting Bing for lunch on the square and my phone won't connect to my car for some reason. I, I did something wrong. And so I'm, I'm riding behind the square, I'm looking for him. And so I just pick up my phone, I'm driving like, don't do this teenagers or adults. So I'm driving like this, bing, bing. And I got two police officer friends that are crossing the street as I pull up to the stop sign. And I went, no, <laughs> and they went, what are you doing? And Ken reaches in my car, my windows down, grabs my phone and went, bing Oliver there's ever a drug name I've ever heard, that's Bing Oliver.
1: That's right.
0: <laughs> so, so.
1: I'm your source, right? Yeah,
0: you're my yeah, yeah. People wonder about me, I know. So. Um,
1: Gotta be careful who you hang out with. <laughs>
0: okay, no, uh, so, so I know. So, how long do we go back? How fa- we go back a long way.
1: I's 30, 40 years.
0: Yeah, 10 months actually. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, so let me tell you why I asked Bing to come up here. We were in a better man group uh, last semester. And it was a great group, and um, I just saw the Lord doing some things and and working in Bing. And I saw um, it was your authenticity. You know, you were pretty off. The whole group was, to be honest with you. But you you started that, and um, and so what I wanted to do right now, I want you to see how Jesus has has changed Bing's life. And so uh, this is the big question, but describe where you were. Um, when our group started.
1: Yeah, sure. (laughs) So to, you know, you and I talked about this beforehand and one of the things that I wanna do is just kind of give a little background, Yeah. that's okay. Um, And to to give the story some justice uh, without getting into it was a dark and stormy night, I'm gonna do like rock skipping across the water here. So if you go back 10 years ago, I'm living in my dream place in the mountains of North Carolina. I have my dream business. I'm in fantastic shape doing my dream hobby, which is bicycling in the mountains, being competitive. And what I didn't realize, because I didn't want to look at it, was that everything was about to come absolutely undone. And um, a friend of mine said, I only know one other person who has experienced the level of loss that you have. And I've never met him personally because he's Job. And um, so what happened was my family imploded. Um, I had a divorce coming. Uh, It had been threatened. I didn't want to hear it. I had some misdiagnosed health issues. Um, And ultimately I ended up being homeless um, and going from owning a business to jobless and then working in a grocery store and I began to rebuild my life. And what is most important to me is family. And that had come apart. And for the first time in my life, Scott, I've shared this with you, I couldn't fix something. You know, like I was always a fixer, man. And I could, I could fix anything, but this is one thing that's like if I'm holding it and you're holding it and you let go, my my, uh, my spouse, it, it just broke. And so I began to try to rebuild and I met someone very, very wonderful. And six months to the day that we started dating, I decided I was going to marry her that morning. And that evening, I came and I found her dead. I was the one that turned her over. She was stiff as a board. They took her out of the house. And um, that began a, a path for me that I, I looked at it and I said, I'm going to end up in an addiction. I just can't handle this. I looked at the sky, I'm like, God, I was already at the bottom, I thought, you know. And sure enough, uh, what what happened was I said, God, you can have everything um, except the the family relational piece, I'll be running that department from now on. And um, so then the rock skips along over the next, I don't know, six or seven years, and things get worse and worse and worse for me. And the point that I knew, this is kind of the last little skip here, then we get it to where we are, is I'm sitting in a business meeting and my business is so important to me and I open up my laptop and there's some stuff on there about, I've been investigating whether I needed to look into addiction programs and I'm in a business meeting and I just began to have this hint like, I don't think I'm holding all the, holding it together. I, I thought maybe I was like, man, it, was, it felt like I was sitting on a suitcase and the monsters were trying to get out and they were starting to get out. So, um, So through that situation, um, I want to share three things. Mm-hmm. I'm a kind of teacher at heart. So I want to share um, what you do with a mess, what you do with your heart, and what you do with your tribe. And uh, so the first thing, am I doing okay here? Yeah, good. Okay. So, uh, No, we're done. <laughs> <laughs> um, the first thing was um, I, I couldn't contain my mess. And, um, and, and I, I thought maybe that I could. And my heart was mostly given over to God. And my tribe, I felt like it was on the outside looking in. I had some really, really great friends, but as far as like a community that I was really locked into. And um, and so anyway, so so then, so that's where I was. Uh, I, and what had happened was I, I had gotten uh, through a program, had surrendered, and it got in my, so I kind of handled the first two things. The first one was I realized, I'm going to embrace my mess instead of trying to control it. I'm going to give God my full heart, but I still had not yet sort of unlocked the tribe question. So that's what brings us to when we, you and I met.
0: Okay. So we get to the group, and I'll never forget you made this comment. You said, hey, I feel really uncomfortable here. I feel really uncomfortable here. Now, you've been coming to the church yeah. how long by that point? Six months. Six months. And you felt intimidated, I think, a little bit. You felt really small. I, I,
1: I felt like I was sitting amongst giants because you guys had known each other for decades and you were you know, pillars in the church. And I'm new and um, I was very humbled by how a group of people that had known each other for so long were so warm towards me.
0: All right, In that group, I'm gonna get off the questions a little bit. In, in that group, um, if you haven't been to a Better Man group, I'm going to encourage you to do so. We're going to offer some more this coming semester. Some will be in the evening time. But this was crazy. Better Man didn't suggest this, but we sort of rated ourselves, you know, where we were, you know, and then we asked our wives to rate us. That was humbling.
1: Tough, <laughs> you know? Toughest question I ever yeah. asked, yes. Yeah.
0: But you, you made some marks, and then you've had people comment that you're not the same person, explain that. Like, Explain what happened, what the Lord was doing yeah. during that time period uh, when we were together. Yeah.
1: So I'm, I'm gonna hit again. The whole thing with the mess was, you know, embrace your mess would be my, my, my encouragement. The heart was go in wholehearted. But what I found out was even those two things, um, I was getting intermittent results in my life because of not having a consistent tribe, right? And, and it was, and so when I stepped into this, I did not miss, I was the only one. I did not miss a single session and and I was super uncomfortable. I want, there was like session three or four. I wanted to run. Um, but better man is the gospel for men. It changes men's hearts. And I'm now supporting a guy. I'm a co-leader and, um, Zach leads a group and every, Uh, semester we tell our stories and we both looked at each other and said you have grown so much Mm -hmm. in the past three months Mm -hmm. um since the last time we had told stories
0: yeah so how how did the lord change you then what what would you keep bringing up tribe how important was the group to you and and what jesus was doing Well,
1: I I can put words to it and then sort of I can't because there's. it's like when, for me, when you put together a group of people, you get one plus one plus one plus one equals a million, you know? So there's just this magic that happens and I, I can't really explain it all. I just know that by stepping in every week and being real and wrestling with questions and embracing the mess and living wholeheartedly and challenging each other and asking tough questions and going, you know what? I think the thing is, when you feel small, for me, it's because you think you kind of need to measure up. And the more we got to know each other, we realized, oh no, man, like we're all going through the same stuff. We're all small. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. Well, so that was being then. What's being like today?
1: Yesterday, I'm supposed to hold this closer, and now I just did. Um, yesterday, my son Adrian, and this is really cool because. He's my stepson, but we don't use those words. He calls me dad, I call him son. We went and we hiked to the top of Stone Mountain, came back down and had um, German food. And he just, he is embracing his manhood as a Mm 16-year-old. He's not here to be here in the next service. And and I feel like I've been able to be a part of that. That's really awesome. I have the most awesome wife. Mm -hmm. And I just love her to death. um, And I'm so proud of her. And um, she... Um, and I are very, very intentional. Like we know that love is really important in the starting point, but we know we also have to have a plan and we work really, really hard in our marriage. And I couldn't, I could perform, oh, and my business is doing great. My walk with the Lord is doing great. It's not perfect, but I could not perform on all those different platforms without tribe. I could be good on one or two. Yeah.
0: You know, long-term changes in us, um, Very rarely happens apart from community. Very rarely happens apart from. It certainly does not sustain. No, Jesus designed us for community. He designed us for community. All right. What are you dealing with today? What's today look like for you?
1: I I did share with Scott last week that I've been dealing with some anger Um, because of all that was lost. I thought, hey, God's going to store all this to me. And like, I often wonder what Job felt like after he got all that back, but then he's like, yeah, but I still went through all that. There's still a tremendous amount of loss. And I think I'm, pre, I'm, I'm processing through some of that. I want to use this platform though to talk about, there's one name over here on this cross, and his name is Edward Oliver, and he is my son. And I've not spoken with him in nine years. Um, outside of my, um, it's been outside of my, I've tried everything, and and he's been influenced away. Um, and I want to see his name go from here over to here. And I want to see us doing this because we both need that. Yeah. And um, so, yeah, So that's, what Jesus yeah, that's a prayer request. Uh, yeah. Jesus is just, I am um, in the process. Uh, I'll circle back around. Um, I'm embracing my mess, you know, in, in the context of a tribe, but I'm really living wholeheartedly.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That's one thing that I saw being do. Like if the book suggests something, he jumped all the way in. All in. All, all, it, was, it was all in. He was, he was all in.
1: Imperfectly, but all in.
0: And so I'm reading through uh, Colossians in my quiet time right now. And there's a verse in there that says, I'm confident that the gospel that bore fruit in you will continue to change you. You know. So I know you are where you are with your son and the anger thing is up and down. But you're confident, I'm confident that Jesus is still working in you. So. Hey, hey, thank you for being transparent, and honest, and open. So can y'all just thank him for sharing his life with us? Thank you. Jesus is still changing lives. He still changes lives. One person at a time. And I I do believe he uses groups. I believe he uses small groups. I believe he uses step studies. Open share groups. He uses accountability groups. I believe he uses ministry teams. But Jesus is still changing lives today. And so just as I'm confident that the gospel that, that bore fruit in being... It's changing his life. Man, I'm confident that same gospel that we've, we've sung about, that same gospel that we, ha- we took communion about, the same gospel that we're hearing about as, as, Paul re- as we read through Paul, I'm so confident that it'll change your life. So confident in that. Today is a big deal because the resurrection changes everything. If there was no resurrection, there'd be no hope for being. There'd be no hope for, for any of us. And so I want to say, like, say this to you today. Man, if you feel like giving up, and I'm sure you felt like giving up, if you feel like giving up, hey, there's hope. Listen, if you feel weak, there is power. If you feel feel small, there is one that'll hold you up. Man, if you feel guilty, man, there is forgiveness. And if you feel useless, I'm telling you, man, God has a purpose for you. And if you feel lost, and when I say lost, I mean, there's no chance that you'll think you'll ever be in heaven. If you feel lost, I want to tell you today, there is salvation in Jesus Christ. Man, there is salvation for each and every single one of us. Today, we celebrate the resurrection because the resurrection proves that Jesus is who he says he is. He is the son of God and he has come to save us. And let me tell you, what we see in Jesus, when you read the gospels and you see this incredible love for the father and you see him going to to the least of these and you see him going that most of the community they avoid. Man, you see this love for people when you what you see in Jesus is exactly what Jesus wants to develop in you. Man, he wants to develop in you a love for God and and a love for others like you've never experienced. He wants to conform you into his image. He's doing that with Bing. He's doing that with me. He's doing that with many of you. And he wants to do it with every single one of us. God's plan for you today, tomorrow, next week, and until we're all standing in heaven is for him to develop Christ in you that your character matches his. man. we've seen the sacrifice of Jesus and we've seen the impact uh, that it's made on those who came before us and, and we see the impact on those around us. So here's the challenge. Here's the challenge. I know watching today or, and, and in this room today, there are some, man, you, you're thinking about it. Maybe you're even closer to the Lord at times before you are now. Or maybe you've never, you've never trusted in Jesus Christ. Here's the, here's the challenge go all in. Man, just go all in. Just, just go all in. You know what? If it's uh, Jesus, I'm going to trust you. I can't see it. That's good. Man, you know what? There is joy in Jesus. Listen, you know what? You'll probably get a bill tomorrow. You'll you'll have a microwave that'll break. You'll have a sick kid. You'll have all that. Man, life on earth, it will go on. But I'm going to tell you something. You're going to have a Savior, and you're going to have hope, and you're going to have joy, and you're going to have peace, and he's going to continue working in you if you go all in. I'm challenging today. Don't half-heartedly follow Jesus. Man, go all in. Man, man, get into his word and, and, and courageously follow what it says. Man, love those around you. Man, tell Jesus, hey, Jesus, whatever you want. Man, that's what I want. Man, go all in. And then one day, maybe you'll be up on a stage or you'll be in a group of people. And you're telling people what Jesus has done for you. Man, go all in. Seek him, love him, trust him. And your soul will be satisfied. Father God, this morning, I believe this to be true. There are people that have been struggling with this decision. And so Lord, I pray the struggle's over. I I pray, Lord, that it come to an end. And Father, maybe what they just need to say to you is Jesus, I'm all in. Jesus, I, I believe. Forgive my unbelief. But Jesus, today, I believe that you are the Christ. I believe that you, you died for me and I believe that you rose again. And I'm all in. And then, Father, too, I pray this. I pray you have renewed hope today. I pray, Lord, you have restored joy today. And, Father, I pray this, God, that we will celebrate you, not just today, but tomorrow, because you're still risen. And a month from now, and you're still risen. Father, I pray we'll never forget that you are risen, and that is our hope. So, Father, I pray all this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Won't you stand? Hey, listen, here's what I want to challenge you to do, man. Jesus has done for us what no man, committee, organization could ever do. Man, let's express our gratitude. Man, let's express it in song. And you know what I want to challenge you to do? Go all in in this song. Some of you are not singers, nor should you be publicly. (laughs) But listen, this moment, man, declare to Jesus how grateful you are. I love church family. And for those of you that are guests today, I hope you'll come back next week. For those of you, it's your first time back in a while. I hope you'll come back next. Matter of fact, we all have one next step. Be here next week. You know why? Because you know what? Jesus uses community to change our lives. You know what? And I tell you what, if you don't have a church family, I hope you'll consider making this your church family. Start a new series next week called Life Together. Super excited about it. Hey, listen, leave here today. And I pray you leave thanking God for all he's done. See you next week.